This is Counter Stories, a podcast by people of color, for people of color, and everyone else. I'm Anthony Galloway, pastor of St. Mark AME Church and senior partner at the Dendros Group. I'm Halili, owner of the Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and Counter Stories producer. I'm Don Eubanks, member of the Mille Lacs Band Ojibwe Indians, and associate of Dendros Group. I'm Cindy Morales Garcia, co-founder of the Courageous Change Collective. And Luz Maria Frias couldn't be with us today. We have a special guest, my St. Paul um, School's school board member, uh, Chantel Allen. Welcome, Chantel. What's up? Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited for this conversation. So we're going to check in together with community and with our school board member today. Uh, One of the things that our listeners may be aware of is that ever since we started Counter Stories, we have had to also be a Community Pulse check-in with folks of color as it pertains to events that are happening around us and inclusive of tragic events that are happening around us. Once we the fir- when we first got started, we we began to dive into issues you know within all the different communities and aspects and perspectives and had to end up covering Mike Brown. Since then, we have had to continuously in all of our communities um, be hit with uh, tragedies not only within our community but also the community response. As it, as, it, as it comes into play. And so it's great to be able to have you all to connect with and just chew on some of these things, um, especially with our special guest, our, a school board member and community member who who is ride or die for St. Paul, um, has been my big sister in St. Paul forever and a day, um, who checks me when I need to get checked, who loves on me when I need to get loved on, um, who inspires me when I need inspiration, um, and then uh, even rolls with me when I need to step <laughs> into spaces where I need some little bit of backbone, and I know somebody's got my back. So thank you for being here, um, um, Board Director Chantel. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that have been happening in our schools. Um, Over the last few months, we have had uh, incidents uh, at Jimmy Lee, of course, uh, recent, you know, recently at Harding, Wellstone Center, Conway, um, uh, uh, at Washington, um, in so many police, uh, places. And so um, I just want to check in and just give a chance for you to, to, to talk about some of these things that are happening in our community and for opening up for the group to be able to um, just have a conversation with the peoples. All right. So, yeah. so I'll hand it over to you. I mean, I guess the first thing we have to ask is how are the children, Mm. you know, and this is something that um, we were struggling before the pandemic, you Mm. know, just in our, in our society, in our communities, um, with our young people. And we knew that the pandemic was going to bring about a whole nother level of mental health issues. uh, And we're seeing that transform. We're seeing the results of, you know, young people who don't know what, what they are going to do with themselves, right? We They didn't necessarily have that guidance during that time. The whole world kept telling them they were going to fall behind. I always laugh at that statement, behind, because it's like the whole entire world came to a pause. Mm-hmm. I mean, I stopped making money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody <laughs> stopped what they was doing in the moment, right? So nobody fell behind. Everybody just paused. And I think that, you know, we as adults have to be careful in how we talk about the things that are happening around us. And and I don't know that we were. I don't Mm. know that we were careful. 
while we had children sitting right next to us, watching it all on TV, right along with us, watching the daily, um, you know, announcements that were coming out as we were making decisions. And then the unrest hit, you know, and so a lot of our young people who didn't, you know, they weren't getting the education about the miseducation. They weren't getting the education around um, the, the injustices that were happening in our society. But in that moment, they were sitting still and they were able to hear all types of conversations. They heard conversations from educators. They heard conversations from mothers, from fathers. It was all over the TV. It was all over the Internet. Um, and so they learned so much about what was happening in our society. And now we're just seeing the results of it, which is the pushback. Mm. You know, well, Sh- Shantai, I'm going to jump into because. I think, you know, you talked about, you know, they were hearing these conversations, but that time period was unprecedented because we were dealing with, we were dealing with a biological organism that none of us had any idea what that was. And so instantly when, you know, with this pandemic, there was fear. But when we throw in the administration that was in place at that time, the administration was not helping us generally as community to deal with this thing because there was denial, right? Yeah. So we had, we as adults were getting mixed messages ourselves and trying to disseminate that because, you know, personally, my daughter was a senior. When that happened and school stopped, just boom, that was it, you know. And at that time, um, I don't think they even instituted Zoom classes right away. I mean, mm-hmm. it just ground to a halt. It ground to a halt for the second. So she she lost the whole second half of her senior year. But, you know, as parents, it was important for us to um, keep her pumped up and keep her engaged as much as we could because everything had stopped. I mean, we still, you know, for her, we followed through with with things to try to keep some normalcy in her life, even though it was incredibly dis- uh, very hard to do that. But mm-hmm. you know, um, so but even as our but but the mental health issues, I think, you know, and I'm hearing more and more stories on media, on other channels where they are now zeroing in on the impact this had on our children, our Mm -hmm. kids in schools. Well, at the same time, you know, I think in counter stories, I've brought up the fact that, you know, I'm working my way through those same types of impact from COVID, being retiring at a time with COVID and all that, and, and the uh, the uh, the impact it's had on my own mental health. So I think in community, there I think there's collectively there's folks in communities that that um are all kind of recuperating uh-huh. from that. But to see it play out like this now with our kids in schools is absolutely heartbreaking. Just absolutely heartbreaking. And yeah, and. Let's 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 make sure to 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 you know to connect those dots because we're setting the context of 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 what of what we see now, and I think a whole lot of folks can be in agreement that we knew that 
as we were going through these things that we that the 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 effects of this period would start to come out and I, and so I'm hearing uh, right now some connections being made to to what we're seeing now but and, and it comes from many different ways you know the incident at Harding um, involving two students in a death that happened mm-hmm. there the incident at Jimmy Lee involving an adult you know <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, doing this towards young folks so to be a young person when you ask the question how are the children uh, I've got I've got hell coming to me from other students I got hell coming to me from other adults I got hell coming to me with how we deal with grief and in as somebody who has to sit at these funerals, I had to be part of the funeralizing process of the young man who was killed at at Mall of America, um, and 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 to see kids not know what to do with grief in that space, <laughs> and and hold yeah. adults, you know, back to say, look, you people are are not acting with the decorum that you think should happen. Well, number one, when grief is involved, you cannot read the stars, and number two, these kids should not. You know, to to mayor to mayor a point that Mayor Carter made about that these kids shouldn't know how to grieve, right? Mm-hmm. That's the one bright spot in the space is that these kids don't know how to comport themselves in grief, which means that they have not, you know. So 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 that's the one silver lining if you're going to grab one, you know, in a in a horrible situation. So, you know, I I love that you're connecting these dots because so many times these conversations fail to do that with all of the nuance. You know, we don't have individual isolated conversations is a lot going on. So I, mm-hmm. I thank you for helping us to connect and not forget that we're seeing the lag effect, you know, or, you know, a compounding effect to it if it's not mm-hmm. the only one because the, the pandemic also uncovered things we weren't willing to talk about before as well. So, you know, just all of that context is in play as we, as we you know, talk about this. But I love your question. How, how are the children? Right. And I'm curious what you're seeing from your vantage point uh, from babies in response to so many of these incidents, the the celebration of life shooting at near King's Crossing, the Harding, um, the death at Harding High School, the stabbing that happened there, the shooting by the adult to um, the adult uh, uh, city city worker to um, the young folks uh, shooting the young man at the um, at Jimmy Lee. The the saddest part is to be honest with you, and I've interacted with quite a few folks. I mean, mm-hmm. quite a quite a few of those kids that were present. At Jimmy Lee, when the incident took place, a lot of the Harding kids, and I, it's sad to say, but it feels like they're desensitized. Mm. They just don't even, it's either, it's a combo of, mm. it could be, they're just stuck in shock, and they mm. can't believe that this is the world around them. And so they're staying in shock so that they can prevent having to deal with that. Or they're really desensitized because they're not even recognizing the impacts of of what's happening around them. And I don't know, that's why I brought up mental health first and saying that we're not talking about, you know, chemically imbalanced, you know, diagnosable mental health. I'm talking about environmental mental health that exists. And like uh, uh, Donald was saying, um, this is existing for all of us in the urban community, all of us that have gone through these past three, four years and have experienced this situation. We all have to be intentional about how we take care of ourselves day to day. Well, if you have young people who aren't taught that because this hasn't been our way of life and hasn't needed to be our way of life, they don't have those same coping skills. And so what we need to do is really and it's crazy because we kept talking about trauma-informed classrooms, right? Mm. We need trauma. We need trauma-informed societies. 
We need even the grocery stores to get on board. Can I get some smooth music? And can we dim the lights just a little bit so so it doesn't trigger people so that we feel more comfortable? Can we Mm -hmm. have people at the door that are greeting us, welcoming us, you know, you know, on a regular basis, not checking our bags to see if we're stealing, but genuinely just somebody at the door like they used to have back in the day saying, hey, how are you doing today? Welcome to wherever, because everybody needs to have that type of encounter on a daily basis to keep our nerves down considering all that we've been through in the last, Mm -hmm. I'll say six, eight years. And then we've just been, we've got to now relax and, and heal and go through this process to get back where we need to be at and hopefully build a better society in the process. Now Mm -hmm. I know a piece of this in Cindy, I see you nodding and just kind of taking your, your, your breaths here. So I appreciate that you're reminding me to make sure to check in with mine. So I appreciate you uh, for that. Um, You know, the, uh, one of the things to contend with, uh, and I, I keep going back to this, but you know, the being one of the ministers presiding over the funeral of the young man who was shot at, at Mall of America, um, we, at the, we had to contend with um, St. Paul police entering a, a ch- into a chase with the shooters, um, who who were were around the funeral proceedings, you know, and it and it led to a conversation amongst a bunch of OGs that were there in the spate who had you know been from from the block here and the block in 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 in, in other states who were like, yo, it, it used to be that there's a sacred space for this, and it and I can't forget that. You know, hearing what's coming and after the uh, services, um, uh, uh, the, the shooting that happened after the celebration of life, you know, and, and for the brother who was killed at the young brother who was killed at Harding, and so it it it, it is bringing to mind, you know, this this tit for tat that's happening, and 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 there's also issues and situations like this that are happening. And, uh, you know, uh, over north and some of the 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 escalation that, that community has to do between folks who want to fight and get at each other for whatever the beef is and and finding out now that that our our, our work, you know, is not only continuing to be need. I'm thinking of of guns down, love up and the work that you did. My daughter still walks around with her sweatshirt, but it it, it it feels like the de-escalation that you're trying so hard to do between these folks just ain't working the way it did. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things is, you know, gangs and the gang culture in the Black community um, really kind of got out of control after they dismantled the Black Panther movement and took away the leaders. And then there were some corrupt folks that got involved into the organizer, organized groups and started to, um, you know, deal drugs and create a black market. But there was still structure. And, you know, what the OGs were speaking of is back in our day, there was codes, there was rules. You, you couldn't, couldn't shoot a child, even on an accident, even on an accident. Or you were in trouble by with your own gang. Mm-hmm. There were certain things that were in place. And one of the things when I do street outreach, I talk to the young boys often about that code, you know, and I, t- I talk to them about the history of the structure of what they're what they're into and, and making it clear that, like, protecting the women and children has to be the number one piece of your of your 
soldierism, <laughs> if you want to call it that, being a soldier in the streets. you got to protect the women and the children. I mean, schools, churches, grocery stores, malls, you know, playgrounds, rec centers, all of that is off the, that's off the table. Even if you see the op, even if you see the guy who's your enemy, you don't get to move in that situation. You have to lay low and find some some other angle on the on the situation. Um, another thing is 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 you know celebrations of life or candlelight vigils. We can't keep re-traumatizing our community. It was already traumatizing enough that we lost an individual, not just the family. The individuals that were around the situation were traumatized in the process. And then you go and add extra trauma on top of that. That's just that that those kind of things just cannot exist. And then I would always say, you know, because I'd always be asking for five, five pieces. The other three, I need y'all to figure out. Because this needs to become something that is universal amongst all gangs, all cliques, all crews, all whatever y'all are. And an understanding that this is how we protect our community. You know, um, one of the things I, I learned, I, I met up with some brothers that were from Bed-Stuy, Bed-Stuy, New York. And they, they were able to prevent bullets from flying for two years based on code. It was a code that they organized amongst the folks, the street soldiers and the people that are out there hustling or whatever and the people in the community and they had this five-point code that they had it was an agreement with the community they had it on t-shirts on billboards on everywhere they went and they held each other accountable based on those five codes and they were able to prevent bullets from even flying not only did no one get shot bullets didn't fly and so mm -hmm. when i met with them i just met with them last fall and i was like wow this is exactly what i've been trying to structure in the community. Um, and so since then, I've reached out to a lot of cats that I know, young folks from street outreach or whatever, and I've tried to set up meetings with individual cliques. It's not going to work if we try to say, okay, let's just do a gang summit and call everybody to one spot. That'll never work. But click it also click. don't work to announce a gang summit. <laughs> like that, That's not how those things work. <laughs> right, that part. And so, you know, click by click, you know, with trusted individuals that I've built relationships with to pull the guys in and sit down and have these conversations about the need to protect community. Um, I don't know if it's an overnight process or two year process or whatever it is, but one is it can't just be me. Hmm. It has to be a movement that happens that's coming from their uncles, from their cousins, from their grandparents. Um, and and from their educators, the people that they know that, you know, and trusted in schools, too. And so it has to be a conversation that starts to move them in that direction so that they can make the own their own decisions for themselves, because it's, it's never going to stop. It's always going to trickle down as it has. And it's going to continue to exacerbate, get bigger because that's just we're growing. <laughs> and so that's that's how it is, you know, and so that's kind of where I'm at. In dealing with the, the street situation and the young young people that are out there, we've got to come up with some kind of code. And it's mm -hmm. got to be a community code that we all agree on. I love everything you're saying. And it makes sense, right? Like, I'm a very logical thinker and things have to, like, equal up, right? Steps need to make sense in my brain. And so all that makes sense. 
but it's un not traditional, right? For mainstream to be like, oh, instead of just eradicating all these gangs, we're gonna talk to them about code. Have you gotten any sort of pushback about the way that you're approaching this? Like all I can see, all I can imagine in my head are like white guys and ties going, no, 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 you're making it worse or you're contributing versus what what we can see, what 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 you what we see you doing. Right. I mean, you have to, we just have to be honest with the situation and organized crime has happened in America since America has started. So we're not Mm going to stop organized crime, but can we get to a place where we can control the situation so that it doesn't affect every citizen? So that it doesn't affect, you know, just random people that are not involved in it. I think that as an individual, if you choose to get into that lifestyle and you choose to, you know, live that life. That's you that should look over your shoulder and have to deal with the consequences of being in that lifestyle. But if I just want to be a teacher, but I still want to live in my community, I should have that right. And I shouldn't have to have a license to carry to protect my house or have to get a guard dog to take my kid to the park every day. You know, I shouldn't have to make these extra steps. There should be an understanding that I'm not involved in whatever it is you're doing. And so keep that over there. You know what I'm saying? Until until we can get to a place where America says, you know, we're going to start to provide housing and food and proper education and all of the things that every human needs in order to thrive so that we don't have a black market. Mm-hmm. But it, as long as there's poor people and as long as people are striving to to live and to to survive in America, there's going to be a black, people are going to figure out a way to hustle. Because if they can't get a job that that provides their needs, they're going to figure out another way to get it. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we keep setting up this capitalist society where there's people that are hungry and without housing, that's going to exist. I can't stop that situation. But what I can do is talk to the people that I'm connected to and are in my community and ask them to come to an understanding so that we can prevent the amount of crime that's happening, the unnecessary crime. Yeah. I have so many thoughts. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today. What a gift to get to think about this with you in the midst of so much heartache. Um, And I just feel like, you know, to Haley's point of, Haley, I feel like you always bring this point up. Like, but what about the naysayers? And I'm just like, forget that every time you bring it up. Like, if we were waiting, if we had to wait for permission for these white folks to get on board, we would still be enslaved. Like, that, ha- there will always be the naysayers and that can't. But we can be smart about how these naysayers are um, twisting the narrative. So what I appreciate about what's being brought up right now is, you know, part of the way white supremacy works is it thinks all or nothing. Us versus them, completely black or white, all or nothing. So either we've totally eradicated this or we've completely failed. And I can imagine that there are way more success stories at the community level around community code, de-escalating violence, attending to the healing that needs to happen at the family level, at the community level, at the at the neighborhood level. I think there is more success there than we've been allowed to know about 
or to believe in because there is a vested interest in folks saying, see, this doesn't work. This is why we can annihilate these people. Right. These genocide recordings. This is why we can, you know, totally annihilate and take out brown and black and indigenous folks. And so those are the narratives, I think, that are put out there, not the narratives of like we have what is needed in community already to handle our own community trauma. And so I think we need to be lifting up those narratives of what's working because it won't be an all or nothing thing. Change has to be happening at the individual level, the family level, the community level, the systems level. And there won't be a magic moment where it's all aligned, right? But we know that what changes one thing will change another thing because everything is interconnected. So the more we can be more based in reality and what is actually possible, I think the more realistic we can be in that this isn't the end of the story for us, nor do we have to be stuck in this, you know, in this point of such acute trauma and such acute violence and all the things that are happening in St. Paul right now. And and I just want to go back a little bit to one of the things that was mentioned earlier that my mind has kind of been stuck on as we've been talking about is I think about, well, what would it take? What would it take for us to be able to really uh, get to this this, um, community code of sort, you know, because you got to agree, folks got to be agreeing, right? Or you got to at least agree to like live with it. And I just kept thinking about when you were asking earlier, like, how are the children, right? Uh, And I'm like, well, I'm not surprised the kids are a mess because the adults are a mess. And we seem to have, you know, that part. well, we're a mess. I just want to, you know, I'm not a child, (laughs) but I'm a mess. And so if someone wants to ask how is Cindy and the children, I would appreciate that. (laughs) You have the way I think young people oppression works is that we seem to think that adults have it all together. And the kids don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to belittle the children, our children. They don't have it all together. Like they need to grow and be nurtured, you know. Um, but I know that this community code is going to require intergenerational cooperation for folks mm-hmm. to really be well. Right. And when we perpetuate this myth that like the adults have it together and it's just the kids who need the help, it doesn't surprise me then that children don't know how to grieve because we as adults don't know how to grieve because mm-hmm. we're a mess. We're traumatized. When I think of the young folks at home watching the adults trying to process the pandemic and everything, it's not like what they witnessed was as everybody calm and collected, logically thinking through options and sifting through data. No, everyone was totally losing it. They were being triggered by whatever this reminded them of. I know in our immigrant, in my immigrant community, it was like, well, we've been through pandemics before and we've been afraid that the whole world is going to fall apart for a really long time now. Right. I was freaked out when the racial uprising happened and the National Guard was in Brooklyn Center in Brooklyn Park. I was brought back to traumas of being in a war. You know, like I was all kinds of triggered and all kinds of a mess and all kinds of worried on all these levels. And also, like, I've actually been in this place of distress for many years of my life, not just during this chapter, you know, on a global scale. And so I'm like, it doesn't surprise me that then the kids are like, that's what they witnessed. They witnessed everybody kind of losing their shit. And, and various generations of trauma coming to the surface and not, and because we don't, as adults, at least in my community, there wasn't the best modeling of like, this is how you model vulnerability. This is how you uh, like honor the trauma so we can get back to grounded reality. This is how throughout life I've been taught to sit with loss, which is real with death, which is real. It doesn't always have to be through such horrible, unnecessary violence, but it is a real part of life. If I would have had 
adults in my life who are like, this is how we sit through these things. We hold, this is how we hold our humanity and the full cycle of life, which includes death. You know, I would face things very differently and I need to know how to grieve. Like when we don't know how to grieve, we are, we, we are lost. And I think the older generation does what it needs to do to survive. And it doesn't let the younger generations in on that process because everyone's just focusing on keeping everybody alive. At least in my family, that's how it was. I'm like, if I could have learned how my parents were working through this, I had to do this meaning making on my own while the older generations did their meaning making on their own. And in the end, we were all just alone and terrified. And so I think about what does it take to really, uh, be able to reach for one another for adults to know how to heal the things we didn't get in our own childhood. So we can be present with these young folks in a way that is helpful, you know, that is like, because that because that's what's going to bring us to our most clear grounded self. So we can actually together be thinking about, so what does it take for us to then reach these community agreements to keep life at the center of what we do? But first, we got to be honest, we were losing our crap as adults. We were losing our crap. And start from there. We were moving forward, you know? And when we say, like, a, this community agreement, what, like, I also feel like we also just need, and I, I know, I think, like, every episode I bring this back to voting, but, like, <laughs> you know, we need to be funding these community resources better. Right. We need and we need to be funding our schools better. I mean, people are saying stuff like let's just get metal detectors or let's let's arm teachers. Let's make it uh, let's give more responsibilities to the teachers already on top of all the stuff they're doing and all the time that they take at home and all the time they take on the weekends to do their job. Let's give them more. Let's give them more. Let's make them do this, make them do this. And I just feel like if we. Not that it would make it right for us to ask them to do it still, but like we do are still we we are still missing this big part and that that is money. And, and even though it sucks to be like, oh, we, we can't have peace until we have the funds. I mean, that's the reality that we're in. Right. Is like we I need mean, the funds to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, healing, it really does come within. I just pulled up this. Andre Lord said, once we recognize what it is we're feeling, and once we recognize we can feel deeply, love deeply, we can feel joy, then we will demand that all parts of our lives produce that kind of joy. Mm. And so, you know, I think that the bridge from, you know, there to code, it is a healing process. It is a process of one healing within yourself so that you can recognize even what joy is for you because it's different for everybody. And once that happens, then there's this restorative process that needs to happen. And I keep talking about it again, you know, we keep talking about these class, restorative schools, restorative justice here. We need a restorative society. Mm-hmm. We need to get to a place where we all take a, learn to take accountability for the harm that we push out into the world because we're humans. We're humans. We push out harm. We learn that, right? We know that. And so we have to get to a place where that's a norm where we say, wait a minute, how did I just contribute to this situation? You know, we know that accidents happen. And if he pulls out in front of you and you crash into him, it's it's his fault or however the law goes. But we both have to say, 
how did how could we have prevented this situation? I guess I could have been driving slower. I guess I could have looked left, right, then left. You know, and everybody has to say their their piece. Mm-hmm. You know, and so healing and and restorative and you know we got to get there. You know, I I I love that so much because you got me thinking about the high stakes nature of every interaction. You know, one of the things. And 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 we've been at the same page working working this with some of the dare to be real work too. Um, Sister Chantel is is trying to create this space where every single interaction isn't the high stakes end end all be all, right? It just it it just ain't. I I remember you talking to a group of kids and you just being like, "Yo, can we pause for a second? It ain't that serious." Yo, can we just step back? And it, and and I love the little snatch up moment. And you 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 you. I've seen you in action. The art of the snatch up is real with you, and when and when we talk about what that is, is you know when 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 we when we wrestle a moment and and pull the kid aside and then just say, "Yo, hey, I'm looking at you right. I'm seeing you right now," and all of a sudden, I, I and I've seen folks in community do this. Um, Chacho over on the west side in the, in the El Rio, like he used to snatch us up all the time, and it wasn't. Always a physical snatch up, although he was big enough to like grab us and just like lift us off the ground till our feet stopped moving, stop you know, our running in air, and then we set us back down, and we're like, oh yeah, wait, I'm 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 in this world right now. Um, we we don't have as many of those things, partly because of pandemic, and partly because uh, to 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 Cindy's point around adults being where they are. I'm just not seeing the snatch up opportunities and moments that were that 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 I remember deeply, even seven years ago, right? Where's the program? Where, where, where are the things that, that that we just go out and we take a bunch of kids camping and half the kids ain't never been in the woods before and it's hilarious as hell and they're trying to figure out and, and we and we are running ragged trying to figure out how to get these kids ain't never been near trees to, to figure out how to be near some trees and it takes all of our energy and by the time we get back, we're exhausted. The kids have a memory that they can never forget. They build bonds that they've never had before and, and while we're tired for the next week and a half, we have a constant smile on our face for what just went down like like though we i'm not seeing those i'm not i'm i'm I'm, I'm, and it's harder to pull those together i've 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 gone into into moments with schools with community organizations like it's paid for the adults are in place just give me the kids and we're gonna Mm -hmm. go do it and folks had so much anxiety about even doing that that it didn't go. Mm. Like those are the kinds of things I'm starting to see now. So Anthony, this unfortunately wraps back to a previous conversation we had, and I'm trying to zero in exactly, you know, how long ago it was, but it wasn't that long ago. Where and in that in 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 that in that discussion, and I'm feeling the same thing now, and I don't disagree with anything i think everything that's been said is absolutely true because i've been thinking about this in the indigenous community and and how we were trying to address this issue with gangs um on the reservations when i was commissioner the last time at malax and so there's a lot of parallels here but i think in that one this one podcast i shared that you know what what di- what is different is for me personally, is when I was growing up, everyone 
st- every adult would step in to help me navigate life. It didn't matter if they were white, black, native. Every adult stepped in with us kids. I mean, if I was doing something wrong, I would get it from whatever adult was there. And then they'd grab me by my ear and take me home. I'd get it again. I mean, so we don't see that anymore. And part of that, right, I'm a, I'm an elder. I would used to step in when I would see some kind of disruptive behavior from our youth. But we're at a point that Chantal's been talking about. We're at a point where I no longer feel safe stepping up to a youth because I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not going to get shot. And I think that is um, that ties in directly to what Chantel's talking about in terms of this code. Because back then, we knew who was who. <laughs> we knew when you're growing up, you know who's doing what, right? You knew who to stay away from. You knew who, that if you got in with that crowd, you were going to have to deal with this. And I mean, you knew. And so that's how, but that, you know, every generation has to navigate that. Um, I feel bad that I'm that I'm fearful enough that I don't feel confident that I could walk up to a young person. I well, I shouldn't just make a blanket statement. I guess I can still assess whether or not it would be received positively or even negatively, but not to the point where I'm going to end up dead as a result of this interaction. Does that make sense? I mean, so I mean, that I means you brought up something really important, which is the village. You know, um, exactly. And we our are village, the village. Well, our village is, has broken down and it ties yeah. back to exactly what Cindy was saying, which was the other thing is that, you know, in the American Indian community, we, you know, we go out and talk about historical trauma, but we don't talk about how that continues to play out. And so, you know, that that uh, the incident at Harding, I hadn't heard about it on the news but my social media blew up from all, all my indigenous friends posting about, you know, prayers and whatever for the for the kids at Harding. And so, you know, for the first and, and Harding has a has a really big Native American program there. Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, and at the time I wasn't sure which young person had been shot. And I actually thought it was an indigenous youth by the reaction that I was getting from social media. And it's sad um, because that traumatized across our all our communities because it was one of our own. And mm-hmm. um, But it, it ties back exactly with what Cindy's saying. I mean, you know, there are, when I was thinking about this code, I couldn't help but relate how, how our healers, our, our spiritual leaders from our communities would go into the prisons to meet with our indigenous inmates, right? Folks from our community. Um, and they would talk about our spiritual, they would lay out our traditions. They would lay out the things 
that kept us together as a people. And what happened is some of those individuals um, in those prisons then got out, took those teachings, and interwove that into their the their layout, their code of their gang, but it didn't mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. So while they had the basis of those teachings, they had corrupted it to make it fit their own thing. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was it was shattering because then how then how do we take those traditions that held us together as community? that have now been corrupted. So I think, you know, I, I think that that something needs to be done. I have to admit, when you first brought that up, I was thinking, oh my God, we're gonna, we're gonna go in and we're going to help them understand that they just kill one another and leave the rest of us alone. I mean, that's how my mind first took that. Right, what you were saying in terms of those codes, and um, but um, but it's much more than that, and and so it, it yeah, I think and, the code is a start to the shift in the mindset around um, what they're actually doing. Mm. You know, I think our young people have just been they got the music. They got the video games, and I hate to sound like that person, but I used to play. <laughs> I used to play midnight club all the time with my kids. We had a tradition that when we got new games at Christmas, we would, yep. you know, game it out for a couple of days. You know, pull the uh, couch up to the TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, unorthodox behavior, pizzas, and you know, whatever. But sometimes when it was time to go back outside, I had to train my brain not to drive over that median and to not, you know what I mean? Because my body, my brain just wanted to go because I had been racing for 48 hours, you know? And we got to think about what that does to developing brains um, and and where their mindset is at, you know? There's a lot of adrenaline in winning that race in Midnight Club, you know? Ooh, Midnight Club, you're taking me back. <laughs> There's a lot of adrenaline in that. I, you know, Grand Theft Auto is a it's a but, game but, that people play a lot. But that's 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 the thing, and I, and I want us to be clear, right? When we're talking about the 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 code piece, we're 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 having a full breathed conversation, right? So we're not yeah. sitting here implying because 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 uh, gang involvement hasn't been the 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 nexus for any of these recent tragedies uh you know that that that, that has you know we're just we're just taking the the i, I want to be clear that we're taking the, you know the learnings from that those exchanges uh because i think that code piece um connects directly i've been you know since these have been gone down you know shout out to to um uh my principal <laughs> over at central high school but but she had me and she said i need you posting up and so I, you know, she, I was like, all right, cool. And she and she was on my phone. She was like, I don't care what you got to do. I need you posting up. So as I began posting up and just popping in and and, and working with 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 some of the programs at Central, you know, it, I'm I'm realizing that what it has taken me to build the relationship and rapport with the with the Afro Studies class group that I'm getting to work with, to even get us to the point of excited about the new knowledge space, um, is a lot longer on ramp. 
than I'm used to mm-hmm. with young folks. Prior, you know, with pandemic, with all these things, right? Um, um, I still got the skills. I still got the patterns. Um, you know, I am a little older. So at first I was thinking maybe that's the case, um, but we got there, okay? And one of the things that's coming out is there isn't the scaffolds that I would was relying on is from before, both mm-hmm. in familial village code, in, in kind of things that we shared and hold, even the things that we protected. Right. There wasn't even this, there isn't even the same knowledge of the history of the very building that you're in. Right. I, 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 I realize that we that that there's a whole lot that has just been off the radar as we've all been dealing. And mm-hmm. so I had to I had to regroup and then begin to give build and scaffold. Right. What we're seeing is that the kids who are involved in building that together with Cherise are now not start are now not showing up in the other ways that we are used to them showing up in school, you know, and and that's good. And we're going to build on it and keep growing, but there's a there's it's like there's a, a foundation that has been cracked and not cared for for a long time, and oh we've God. got a full court press on our hands to shore up, and it doesn't need to be the thing that we used to do. Right? I, a lot of times we get wrapped in the trauma that our parents step on us and want and think that that our job is to take that trauma and the traumatic things about that and bring it to the next generation. Like, like we 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 ain't we're no longer in households that need to turn off lights and unplug phones when the lightning's striking outside. Like that's an old right. thing that ain't that, that we got new stuff now, right? So let's mm-hmm. use okay. our new stuff. But I I think to to Lee's point around the resourcing. I think a full court press is in order. Uh, I, 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 mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say is, is I remember the rec center revolution that happened um, earlier it, when, when I was when I was younger. Now that I'm pushing the forty club, that was for you, Don. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> yes, rec, rec so, centers so, need funding too. Right, and, and, and there was this there was this idea that if we take up and use up the these kids' time. Every ounce of time I could, it didn't necessarily need to be something super structured, but I've got your time and attention, right? Now you're involved in stuff and, and the things that may pull me um, into a space of hopelessness that may may make me think, you know what? Who Nobody does care, so I can do whatever I want because ain't nobody looking or paying attention to me anyway. And all of these mm-hmm. things that stack up to the mental health issues that you've been pushing at the school board level, Chantel, like... I'm wondering if if we aren't in a space of needing to do that kind of full court pressing again and just see as how many kids we can get into into experiences that are outside of of the norm outside of what you see every day like yeah. I, that's growing on me Absolutely and I and I would agree it is time for the full court press they're all hands on deck you know um Belie is correct we do need to fully fund schools. We do need to fully fund rec centers. We need to fully fund all programs, mental health services that can support our young people so that they can process everything that they've been through. You know, um, when I think about, you know, the, the, the level of disconnect that I see, and I, that's what you're talking about, uh, Anthony, is that what do you call it? The rev up, the time that it takes to get them from here and ready mm-hmm. to go, you know, it used to be, you know, a day, maybe a day and a half for me with girls, a couple, 
<laughs> girls, I don't know. They have this thing with me. It takes almost a week. <laughs> the next like, all right, what's happening, my lady? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, but I do know what you're talking about. And so we need all hands on deck to start that process, you know, um, and, and it has to happen everywhere. And people have to show up and not just take up their time, but actually engage with them and, and let them know that we are here and we care about you and we want to see you succeed. Um, I feel like our, our young people are not getting that reinforcement that we want to see them succeed. And um, it's so simple that when you do say that, you know, they might not receive it then, but they will circle back to be like, okay, wait, what were you talking about again? Because I, I understand who you are now, you know? And so I think it is about funding. It is about fully funding schools. Um, I, you know, the village piece in my mind years ago, I had this idea and I, I feel like, you know, Mayor Carter has done a great job at investing and building out the street outreach, you know, the response to violence through healing streets um, with the ambassadors doing street outreach. And then when we uh, got rid of the SROs at the schools, the way that those security folks were interchangeably um, ambassadors also, um, I think that there is the structure. Can you remind us what SRO means? SRO is a a student resource officer or police officers. And so when we eliminated the police officers, we got about 1.5 staff that we were able to build into our security team um, and you know, I think that the, the pieces are all there. We just need to do a better job at training folks in how to, um, I don't want to just say interact with our young people, but how to, how to advance their success, how to truly believe in them, how to truly see their greatness and, and help them um, move that forward. And, and you know, understand I think that, that they'll never understand young mm. people. Like, like I think that's the thing. People just keep saying, like, I don't understand, like, if they just listen to me or, like, people like me who still feel like they're young, but we're not. Like, we're old now, you know? They're just like, <laughs> like, you know, you're not going to understand what they went through because they have gone through a whole different time than we have. They have gone through this mm-hmm. technology. They were born with tablets in their hands at this point, you know? And so I think that's the other thing is like adults just understanding that they don't understand and that's okay. Yeah. And we have a pastor on the line so I can get a little spiritual too, but you know, <laughs> every group of, every group of people are brought here for a particular reason. And, and so they have to go through the experiences that they go through so that they're prepared to lead when it's their turn. And so, of course, we're not going to understand the direction that they're trying to go because we weren't brought here to go in that direction. We were brought here to be exactly where we are right now, doing the work that we're doing right now. We don't want them to do the same work that we're doing right now. We want them to be in a different mindset. Our job as adults is to just help provide the resources and help guide them so that they're not falling into a hole in the process or falling off a cliff in the process, but giving them all the knowledge and the the things that they need so that they can get where they're supposed to be or else human life doesn't advance. We just stay stagnant, which unfortunately is what it feels like we have been for the last 50 years, just sitting stagnant in the same thought, in the same philosophy. 
so Chantel, can we, can we, so if we were to try to put this in somewhat of a perspective, because I'm going to assume that it's not all our youth, but a percentage of our youth that are very Absolutely. struggling, just like in our communities, even with historical trauma, it's not everybody in our community that struggles day in and day out, but there is 25 to 30% of our population that struggles with this historical trauma and struggles um, with the very things that we're talking about, you know? And so I guess I just wanted to kind of put that out there because it's not, not all our youth, not all our youth are struggling as we're talking about, you know, I just want to make sure that people understand that. Now, I, 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 that, I still I think that all of them have been affected and are struggling to a certain extent. Now, to do a, some of them have coping skills. Yes. Possibly. And do some and, of them have a village that's wrapped around them. So we don't yes. see the struggle that they're going through. Possibly. But there's some that don't have coping skills. They don't have a village. They don't have adults around them that care about them. Exactly. And so we're seeing that out in, in, in our but that still would be a, a lesser percentage in all our communities that I think that falls fall um, would fall to. So I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, but I guess I'm just trying to paint a picture that I don't think every everyone in our communities are or all our youth are falling off the deep end. I think there are. I think the pandemic. I think COVID. I think you know, the events of the past three, four years have added to a lot of anxiety and mental health issues for our kids, but they don't, not all of them deal with it, how we, how we see some of the um, results in the past month with mm -hmm. these shootings, right? And so, okay. I, I'm sorry, I just wanted to, you know, because uh, I just wanted to to point that out so that we're not leaving our audience with the impression that this is impacting everyone. Because I think even, you know, even I admit that my mental health, my anxiety has been horrible since I retired because of COVID. And then I, you throw in two bad knees and I haven't been, I'm a social person. And the only time I really interact is on counter stories. And, and, and I get to see a little square, you know? And so it's impacting me, but not to the point where I'm going to fall off the deep end, right? So I just wanted to kind of point that out. That's all. And I think that I think that uh, it, it's important because it, it it something you know when I think about mental health services, when I think about the, the lack of funding for our schools, um, when I think about especially how bifurcated our mental health system is. We can't, once we close down our, our, uh, our mental health warehouses where folks were housed, the infrastructure, the thought was we would close those warehouses, the community infrastructure would step up to provide those support services for that population, and that never happened. Now they're homeless on the street. And so we don't have the necessary resources needed to deal with mental health issues like we're talking about. So, you know, and, and through our uh, um, lack of funding, uh, 
lack of, I mean, I can point my finger all over the place, right? I mean, and, I, and I'm not trying to change this discussion into that either, but I'm just saying we have so many, so many gaps in services that are needed that could help um, in this type of situation. And, but, you know, and, and I'm sure I'm, we'll get some hate mail, but instead of dealing with that, you know, we're legalizing, well, no, I won't even go there. So. <laughs> Don, <laughs> Don you, you, you're putting something I think that's very, very wise onto the table that has made me step back a little bit in that the unthinkable has happened now, what, three, four, five times in our community in a short amount of time. Um, it is not a trend yet, but I think there's fear that that'll be the case. I mean, we got to understand that these are three, un these are unrelated things where the unthinkable has happened in a short amount of time and we're reeling from it. And it is a marker and a signal that there's something that we need to pay attention to and do because it's illuminating us to other trends that we see um, <clears throat> that are possible and on the horizon. But I think the, the wise thing about that is to make sure we don't, we don't erroneously connect this to something that it's not and open the floodgates for another set of of misrepresentations and things all the way around. I think, you know, when we when we look at when we look at at all of these all of these that are happening, I think they are signals to us that there's something that we need to pay attention to now. Full court press fully agree with, right? And and so I think it's wise to step back and not look at it as the trend as the trend line. One of the questions and wonderings that I have is for us, are we willing to be real enough with our own practice? And I, and I, and I think about this with my kids as well. Um, I, am, I am further and further of the belief that just we just ain't offering anything compelling to our young folks. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean this on several different levels. Uh, we, uh, it used to be that the stuff that I would do as a youth leader, as a youth worker, was so dope that kids were scrambling to get in. And I think there's a little bit of resting on the, the heyday of that and mm -hmm. not building new skills and new stuff. It doesn't mean I don't have stuff to offer, but I stepped into this class thinking I'm about to drop some knowledge and y'all are going to be like, ooh. And instead, they were like, yeah, cool. What are we going to order later today? Um, <laughs> they they were ordering it while and, you were talking. While, while I'm talking. And I was like, well, you might as well go ahead and order me a sandwich because this one ain't going to work. And then I sat down and actually had the sandwich with the kids and, and, st and started kicking it. And then as these questions were coming up, I was like, oh, you know what? This reminds me of this over here. And they're like, what? And all of a sudden... I'm I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. I have stuff to offer, but I gotta figure out, I gotta figure out the new language, the new energy, the new pattern, the new rhythm. It doesn't it doesn't mean that my old stuff is there, but I gotta figure out what the new rhythm is. And so that's the rhythm. That's the thing that's starting to come to mind hearing you talk, Don, is is if I think about not the trend, not this as a as a trend and, and reacting in that way, but pausing and going, okay. How do I get in touch with the new rhythm that's happening now? And I think one example of that is is when all these car thefts were happening. We we wanted to say that it was all this 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 criminal line, and we realized that kids weren't even keeping the cars; they were joyriding, filming the TikTok, and then leaving the car someplace, 
right? Mm-hmm. And it and it and it threw law enforcement for a loop because the things that would compel me if this is actually a criminal enterprise aren't working to joy to joyriding youth. And so they had mm-hmm. to step back and figure out a different thing to do. Yeah. I'm curious about what the new rhythms that we can get into can be, well, what they're looking like. And I think, you know, this is another good invitation to think about um that 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 internalized narrative that we have where we adults know everything and it's up to us to impart it on the young people. Again, young people oppression. And like we were saying, every generation has something, but there, there are certain struggles that my generation is focused on. And because of that, I can only go so far, right? Like my parents had like kept me alive, kept me going. I wasn't afraid for my life the way they were. And so now that I had more stability than they did, part of me was open up to learn new things, take in new things that they couldn't learn. Right. They weren't I wasn't working out on the plantation fields with them. I wasn't, you know, so I had all these experiences that I got to bring back and tell them now that I got the stability that your generation offered me to whatever degree, I can think about things that your generation couldn't think about. Also, the world has changed. Right. Mm -hmm. And my parents used to tell me, like, we need to learn certain things from you. And I think, and I was so humbled. I don't think a lot of people say that. I don't think a lot of people say that to their kids. You know, I was so humbled. And I think about that with young folks, right? It's like, yeah, if our task is to just figure out the new rhythms so we can impart what's missing for them, I think we've set ourselves up for failure. Because I think they there's a certain thing that they have to tell us, right? Who is it that says people support what they help create? Right. So what is it not to work for young people, but with young people? Is there a certain co-creation element to the programs we bring where it's just like, hey, I'm not going to fully know. I got a lot of solid stuff, but there's a piece that only your wisdom and experience can bring into this. And that's the secret ingredient. And Mm -hmm. for us to show up as adults, knowing that we are incomplete and that our programs can only be solid and impactful in partnership with these young folks. That's the only way to be complete on getting the full, all the dynamics of that rhythm, right? We can only fill in so many sections. Maybe we're just the rhythm section and the harmony section. I don't know, you know, but I think that that is something that we have to keep thinking about how we are incomplete with one another. So when we keep spinning off, trying to figure it out on our own as adults or as young people, we're going to keep missing the mark. Until we learn how to, you know, work intergenerationally. And part of it is being honest as adults. That's like, we don't have it all together. We don't know everything. <laughs> we have valuable things and they have valuable things. And it's going to take all of that. To, and I feel like I just got to learn how that to like, learn from young people. I feel like that's my first step. I'm like, I got to learn how to, look, to undo some of my internalized. I have to have the answers or I know stuff or get out of my own time experience to be open to their time experience. I'm like, I got to start there and let's see what that, you know, that will shift how we structure our programs. That will shift the policies and the strategies and approaches that we reach for. And I think wow. that will then shift some of those structural pieces that we know are, are are shaping the landscape to the things, you know, our peoples are struggling with. That's good. And and so pull up. <laughs> like, <laughs> post up, right. pull up, get involved, get in the trenches and, and, and do that. Yeah. I I I, I I think it's it's the you know my my the the best the best moments you know I, I the best moments that we've had even with the with the church group of youth right is when we're sitting around and they start clowning 
and and I ain't never had more fun than I did when these kids caught themselves trying to play the dozens and their jokes were so corny. <laughs> and they kept eyeing over, like checking to see if it's okay. And I'm sitting there with my my collar on, like, like I'm pastor. I'm like, I'm like, they're like, what you okay with this? And I'm like, the only thing I'm not okay with is that your jokes is whack. And <laughs> and <laughs> And I'm just and I'm just enjoying watching how corny it is, right? And in that moment, they were having so much fun. The laughter had returned. The uncoordinated gall and joy and goofiness was going all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I was enjoying sitting there to watch. And then they tried to turn the fire on me, and I had to bring that heat and. And yeah. and um, they learned what real dozens was for a little right. bit, <laughs> right? And um and and then we went and go had and went and had food, right? But I watched the transition when we were done. Mm-hmm. I think this is the thing to me that is is um that is that is breaking my heart about the situation is um, even in the bright spots, I watched the the whole physical body language shift. When they leave, even the small bright spot that that may have popped up and been created, to go on to this thing that we have told them is society, and mm-hmm. and that is the part that for me needs needs some serious work. Um, and so that's just it's coming to mind as I'm listening to the conversations we've been having. Is as I'm I'm lamenting. I think I'm mourning um, those bright spots that I haven't seen for a long time, part due to pandemic and part due to adult stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's 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 what I'm mourning a little bit in these yeah. in these moments of un, of the unthinkable happening in our city. And I think we just need to also just call out spaces. I mean, where's the roller skating rinks? Mm. Where where's the movie theater? Where's the things that we used to do? We'd come together, a group of safe friends, and we'd have seven dollars. And we would ride out. <laughs> like, where is that space for these young people? You know what I mean? We don't have that anymore. And there's so many young people who want those. Th- there's a very few that are out there and they're just doing whatever they want to do. The ones that we're trying to recruit in and get them on point with code. The majority of our young people are just trying to be safe. They just want a safe place to enjoy their childhood or their teen teen years, and it just doesn't exist. And so how do we as adults start to have those conversations? And going back to Halise's statement around resources, how do mm-hmm. we start to fight for resources to put into spaces so that these young people can can create those spaces for themselves? You know, I would say that there are these events happening but they're not planned with youth. So youth don't know they're even happening. They're not being outreached in a way that is getting to youth. Cause I see them these, you know, all summer, these events happen. I live right by a rec center in St. Paul. So I see all the banners and all the signs and, you know, there's kind of meandering youth coming here and there, but you know, it's not being planned by youth. It's not the their idea of fun. It's not their, you know, it's not at a time or a day that they feel like they want to come hang out with their friends. So, again, it's part of working with them and not mm-hmm. just for them. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. as, as we're closing out here, one thing that, that both Chantal, you and Anthony said about the code is like, it's not overnight and it's, it's a first step, right, to kind of the, mm-hmm. the society that we really want to be in. And as we kept talking about the code with young people, like that code should not just be for young people either. This is like a community code that adults should also be abiding by. So like I keep thinking like we're yes. talking about young people and we're talking about a code, but we should make it very clear that it should also be a code for all the adults in our community as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd agree. I know we always hear that line touted over and over again and even co-opted by, you know, presidents wise, but you know, we know that it takes a village. Um, and I, I think in our conversation today, I, I want to modify that quote instead of instead of it over and over again repeating the adage that it takes a village. I think I want to say instead what my principal said to me, and that is pull up. <laughs> I think it's time for us to pull up, um, and you can take that wherever you want. Whether it's pull up your pull up your sleeves. Um, whether it's pull up to the spot, whether it, whatever it is, I think um, uh, we have a national call and, and, and the citywide call, whatever you want to call it, to to start engaging and interacting and practicing the things that we haven't been doing, not just for so long, but we were resting on some morals. I think if we if we pull up on one another and start interacting and practicing what it means to be human and loving to each other, even in the small ways. Um, maybe our kids would have something to look at that's that they that that's worth protecting and engaging in. Um, I'll leave it at that. I'm Anthony Galloway, pastor of St. Mark AME Church and senior partner at the Dendros Group. I'm Halili, owner of the Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers and Counter Stories producer. And I'm Don Eubanks, member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians and associate of Dendros Group. And I'm Cindy Modales-Garcia, co-founder of the Courageous Change Collective. And Sister Chantel? I'm Chantel Allen, the St. Paul School Board member and the Director of Criminal Justice Policy and Activism for Wayfinder Foundation. Thank you for listening. This has been Counter Stories, a co-production of the Counter Stories crew and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For our full conversation, please visit counterstories.com.